Virgin of Woods. And I, I took the path that had two hell cannons. Welcome to the Path to Story podcast, a Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory podcast. Join us for a whole lot of love and more here. Oh, I did that wrong. Not love. <laughs> love here in the Middle Realms. Today, I am Somnaz Razorhook, the sullen titillator of the puzzling ecstasies. <laughs> Maybe I didn't do it wrong, huh? 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 <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. Like, oh, razor hook. That could be any, literally anything. <laughs> literally anything. Sullen and a titillator. I know. <laughs> Isn't that fun? <laughs> Sullen titillator of the puzzling ecstasies. <laughs> like, I'm going to make you excited, but I'm not going to look happy about it. You know, you guide others to a, a gift you cannot possess. Is what that means. <laughs> I like it. All right. Spencer, who are you today? Who am I? Well, thank you for asking. It's 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 a long story. Um, I am Stick Zot Loon Mullet, cracker of oozy slimes with a Z. Oh, I played a rock band, so it's been pretty cool. You My parents let me borrow the garage. Are you, are you the singer? Time. Are you the bass player? Are you the drummer? Bass player. And you're the bass player. Okay. I play the bass. Oh yeah, like the bird. Are you are you basically the, the goblin version of Slash? Is that what I'm hearing? Oh <laughs> yes, I'll yes, I'll do I'll be that. Uh zot, stick zot, cracker of oozy slimes. Instead of good jokes, oozy slimes. <laughs> I like it. Well, who are you today? I am Lotorthus Whaleborn, sweaty soul harvester of the growling water. Ooh, is is that an uh, ogre name? It's an Ideneth name. Ooh, can you say I it don't again? Know yeah, uh, Lotorthus Whaleborn, sweaty soul harvester of the growling water. Why, what why instrument does he play in the band? That's my question. <laughs> Uh, lead vocals, of course. Oh, all right. I'll allow it. Is it like a deep, like, throaty metal? I think that's that's what this is kind of leaning towards, perhaps? I was more thinking like Meatloaf with the whole sweaty soul. Yeah, whatever. the sweaty soul. His very soul is sweaty. <laughs> well, I guess in the theme of love ballads, right? He's singing yeah. like yeah. passionate love ballads, rock ballads. It's It's perfect. But here's the thing I don't get. Like he literally lives underwater. How are you sweaty underwater? He's working out a lot, man. Like <laughs> he produces the sweat. It just doesn't stick. It just like kind of trails away, little little droplets. All right. So Somnas Razorhook must be the guitar player then. Makes some sweet, sweet riffs, right? Oh yeah. He's got the hook. Yeah, he's got the hook, exactly. I feel like we need to have a bass or a, a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna traveler quit. of Gur. <laughs> traveler of Gur. I like it. All right. Um, we need a drummer, though. I mean, can we have a band without a drum, without a drummer? Yeah. That doesn't seem right, does it? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
just go full like spinal tap where it's all just bass guitars. <laughs> nice. I like it. All right. Get a Let's go. We are we are a three mortal band. All right. So um why don't we after that nonsense, um <laughs> Will, why don't you do you have your story ready to read? I do. All right. I'm gonna sit back and relax. <clears throat> I need to channel the voice. High in the Tower of Scales, Thalen watched over the hungering steppe. Centuries ago, when he was a man, he called this place home. Now his clutch returned to secure the land for the Draconith Empire. Though his quest was given to him by the scions of the god-beast Dracothian, Thalen lamented what had to be done. The Dawnbringers of Sigma and their naivete threatened the continued survival of the Draconith. Thalen wished they could see the error of their ways, to realize that these lands were not for man, but for the chosen of Dracothian. But they would not listen to his words, only to the howling storm of battle. Winged drakes darted across the sky as the Stormscale Covenant began their assault. Crashes of thunder and bloody screams announced the first strikes in this war for survival. If the humans wished to die upon his blade, so be it. If they were truly worthy, then they would join him after death as one of the Reforged. Until then, they were merely in his way. Yay. I like it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. As I'm a human, gonna... I am scared. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's what that was. I wasn't sure if it was be. like you were continuing the band theme and you were like now a groupie or something, but I, I get it now. Yeah, there you go. Got it. Nailed it. I know how music works. Nailed it. All right. I'm going to read my story now, if that's okay. Delarian was the first son of the first son, the lord of the Sky Oak Kingdom and the heir to the Sundered Empire. Respected and feared by those who saw him, he commanded attention and gave retribution with an even hand. In his home, however, he was subject in all things to his wife, mostly by choice. One cannot fault him for doting on her while carrying their third child. A name had already been chosen, and the most delectable foods fetched from all corners of the realm. Like the two daughters before, Delarion would brook no opposition to her whims. It was the sumptuousness from his own vaults that doomed them. She asked, and without thought he fetched it. Truly, it was the essence of a living Sylvaneth, the sap from the soul pod staining her lips that drowned any chance for repentance. While she yet chewed on the fading tree spirit's vitality, the contraction started. The birth was quick, finishing before the Hishian light stained the sky from deep emerald to a vibrant aquamarine. The windwife whispered ardent congratulations as Delirian's wife fell asleep from exhaustion. Tiptoeing to the kitchen, she poured a warm bath into a bucket and began singing a Giranite lullaby to the squirming, screaming sun. She was washing off his little toes, paying rapt attention to scrubbing them clean when she first heard the screams. 
Her fingers ceased their gentle, gentle ministrations before tensing as the shouts of Delirian's desperate commands echoed through the thick kitchen door. With gentle care, she bound the child to her chest before sneaking behind the Ashbury spirits, ducking into the hidden tunnel and pulling the barrel back to block the opening. Fleeing with all the strength that remained after the long night, she left carrying the child's only birthright, his name, Petrel the Thornborn. All right. So, uh, we've got a couple games to talk about tonight, right? Yeah, a handful. A handful. So, um, we got, how many games did we get in this month, Will? We got in four games. We got a massive four games in. three weeks. Mm-hmm. We were booking it. We even got a game in today. Yeah, we did. So, I guess four games in four weeks. Yeah, that's true. Still good for us. <laughs> it's, it's very good for us, for sure. Um, so we're going to cover um, three of them in order, and then the fourth one's going to be a little bit out of order um, because Spencer's got some work to do on that last one. So you thought this was just going to be fun. Yeah, it, there's yeah, work, that's what I signed right? up for. I didn't sign up for work. <laughs> all right. So uh, the first game that we played, we tried something a little bit different. Um, we played an open play game. And so we rolled on the map table chart, the victory table chart, the twist table, and the ruse table. So, Will, do you want to tell wait. the listeners what we got? Oh, wait, wait. Uh, what what are those tables? So the tables are basically D6 charts where you roll a D6 and then you use the first one, the map table, shows how you are to d- set up your battlefield. The second one, the victory table, tells what you need to do in order to win the game. The third one, the twist table, is just something different and a little bit odd that makes the game a little bit more interesting. And then the ruse table is something that you, as an individual player, get to do that's different from the opposite player. So it just adds a little bit of personalization for even just the players in the game itself. Does that make sense? All right. Yeah. Followed quite clearly. Now, a question for you, Spencer, before I get into those tables. Do you know what open play even is? Uh, It sounds like there's no rules and the table is, there's no boundaries and you can just Put your players wherever you want on the map. And more dice. I just want to, that's probably more dice. You are mostly correct. <laughs> um, if that means anything for you. Oh my gosh, there's um, no way there's less dice. I find that hard to believe in this game. <laughs> um, so we hadn't talked too much about this, but for Age of Sigmar, there are three types of play that they focus on. And I think this is true for almost every um, Games Workshop game. At this point, the, yep. Yep. There is uh, matched play, which is like the very competitive style of gameplay that is typically used for tournaments. There is narrative play, which focuses on storytelling. Path to Glory is this edition's narrative play system. 
And then open play is the, you just want to play a game with friends. You don't want to put too much thought into it. Here you go. These tables do provide more structure. In the past, open play was very much just, yeah, whatever. You got models. You know the rules. Go play a game. Well, and to me, open play was even like, all right, I'm just at home by myself but I'm arranging my models to look cool for a picture, right? Yeah. <laughs> open play is was literally just any way that you wanted to enjoy your models and like set up a battle at home, play one versus one, play yourself, right? Like play both sides of the table. And like, basically it's just however you enjoy playing with your miniatures, this is the, this is the part of the book that we think will help you to do that. It's it's to play with your toys with the least amount of complications as possible. Like when kids first get a hold of a chessboard and they like kind of treat it like checkers. It's still fun. Yeah. It's just a little bit a little <laughs> bit weird. Exactly. All right, exactly. I'm I'm down. Let's let's how what what do you guys end up what tell me more. <laughs> yeah. So uh like Paul said, uh going through each of the tables. The victory condition that we had for this battle was called drawn and quartered. There were four objectives, one sort of in like in each quarter of the board. Uh, we had a twist table called dead of night, which was that you couldn't shoot at any other model if like they were more than 12 inches from each other. Like it was just so dark you couldn't see and then each turn after that, you would roll a die to see like if it got brighter so you could see further out. Mm -hmm. And then finally, Interesting. yeah. Okay. And then we each got a ruse. That was like our little benefit. Mine was revenge. If your general is slain, you can add one to wound rolls for attacks made by friendly models until the end of the turn. Yeah, and mine was reinforcement. So once per battle at the end of your movement phase, you can pick one friendly unit that has been destroyed, not a hero or a monster, and then you can set up that unit again, wholly within six inches of the edge of the battlefield and more than nine inches from all enemy models. Uh, so just a couple little things to, to give us a little bit of structure, but not too much, and let us play out a game. Yeah. So um, this one was a little bit hard for me because a lot of my army is based on shooting. And the 12 inches is super cramped for me because that means that I'm basically in charge range of everything that Will has. Yes. So um, <laughs> uh, this is the first game that I added the Sisters of the Thorn, which I talked about in the last episode. And um, I didn't do very well. Um, basically... In large part because I didn't read the War Scroll right for the unit. Um, so there is a cool thing that the Living City Army can do where they can ambush in from the side of the table, which ambushing is always cool. But then the general has what's called a command ability, so something that you spend a command point for, where if a unit shoots, then you can use a command point to make that unit immediately move again which is super powerful because when a unit ambushes on from the side of the table, typically there's no way of getting them closer than nine inches to the enemy. But because this 
army has a command ability that allows you to move them after they shoot, then you can shoot and then move forward to close off that nine inches. You can't ever get closer than three inches without charging, but you could move them up six inches and then the chances of completing that charge are super high because a charge is always 2d6 unless your unit has a special rule. So the maximum distance you're going to be able to charge normally is 12 and the minimum is two. So and on, charging charging is whenever like you, you're within melee range, right? You move into a melee space. Correct. Until you charge, you can't engage in melee combat. So the mistake I made was I found a unit that can shoot. I found a unit that was okay in combat. And there are a bunch of tournament lists running around right now where people are doing this with one specific unit that's got a really great shooting attack. And then they're pretty decent in combat as well. But it's a dwarf unit, a dwarden unit, excuse me. And I don't really want to add dwarden to this army yet. I think that's something that maybe I'll do farther on down the road. But I also don't want the army to just be a straight up like, this is a tournament list, but we're playing it narratively. Um, because that's just not really my style. So I went and found something that I thought fit really well, but was completely different. And unfortunately, the the Sisters of the Thorn shooting attack is only nine inches. Which means that I can't possibly be in range of the shooting attack when I ambush in. So I can't use the command ability on the turn I ambush in, which means that I have to wait for a full round for most games before I actually get to use it. So the cool thing that I was going to do to surprise Will and and like, you know, maybe cause some damage did not work out at all. <laughs> because Yeah, I because I didn't read the war scroll right. So that's uh all mm. on me. But this but that's the wonders of open play, right? You get to test all these weird things out and be like, read things over and you're like, oh wait a second. <laughs> yep. I got right, super then... duper excited for nothing. But, Will, you got some good stuff done. Yeah. I got to use my Draconith. Um, I think this is the first time the Draconith went up against the Living City. That's correct, yeah. Uh, they they got some good killing in. Mm-hmm. I got some <laughs> foot sloggers in there. Um, I'm trying to remember any of the specifics. Just moving troops up the board to secure those objectives while the dragons did their thing. Because uh, I know last episode, I was like, oh, yeah, the dragons, <laughs> they hit the wall that was Nurgle, and they were immediately stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out, when your enemy doesn't have ward saves, dragons are really good. Mm-hmm. And when your rank-and-file troops don't have four wounds apiece, also, yeah. dragons are really good. <laughs> so, that was part of the reason why my uh, Sisters of the Thorn failed so miserably. Is that you they were stuck between a rock piece, and a hard place? What, that means, like, mm-hmm. were, they, were they already wounded and they brought that into the battle, or was that just like the maximum they can take? Oh, I don't remember how wounds. No, he's were. saying can, compared to it's like hit points for each model. Uh-huh. The Nurgle forces are just super hard to kill. They have a lot of wounds or hit points, mm-hmm. and then they have a, a really good armor save to not get injured. And then if they fail they have a disgustingly resilient save where they get to essentially drag in to not die. His living city forces... Yeah. The the mortals, the living city forces, didn't have that stuff. 
No. Most Living City units are one wound apiece for their models, or maybe two. But the big difference also is that because the Nurgle Blight Kings have four wounds apiece, it means that they have to take four wounds before a single model dies. And one of the things that really um, ends up being a big deal when you have one wound models is what's called Battle Shock. And so Battle Shock is a test that you have to take for every model that dies. You have to subtract one from the result of the dice. So Blight Kings can lose four wounds before they have to subtract one from the dice. But cities <laughs> of Sigmar usually have to lose four, and they lose four from the dice. Yeah. My heaviest so, troops right now are two wounds apiece, so it's still twice as worse. You know, twice as bad. To to put that into perspective, and I, I'm pretty sure that happened during this game, where I ran in uh, my dragons into a unit of ten mm-hmm. of one wound models. I didn't kill all of them. I killed six of them. But at the end of that turn, that unit was destroyed because those four that were left failed their battle shot because they had taken too too many casualties. So they ran away. Uh, it hadn't come up too much in like past games, but you don't actually have to kill every single model. Sometimes you just break their spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, and that's what it's intended to emulate, right? Is that you've broken their spirit, now they're going to flee from the field of battle. That's an interesting mechanic. Most of these, I always imagine just like, you, you play to kill. That is that is what feels how this game works. Yeah, but... I guess but, not. Yeah. Well, but. you do. You play to kill, and then those deaths of the fellow members of the unit cause the rest of the unit to run away. Does that yeah. kind of make sense? I don't know how in-depth they are in this edition, mm-hmm. but if it helps explain it, Spencer, there is an army called the Night Haunt, which are just spooky ghosts. I think you've seen some of the models. Mm-hmm. They they give like a debuff to people's bravery. So it makes oh, it yeah, so people yeah. it, yeah. It's so people run away more. They're more scared. <laughs> Um, so there's like putting fear into your opponent is a mechanic in the game. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. So another way of explaining it that might help to make this make sense is that I'm playing humans, right? And my humans are not like superhuman fantasy warriors. They're just humans, right? But they live in a place where ghosts are absolutely real and they form into armies and they can pass through walls and kill you without a second thought, right? And there's also embodiments of these evil gods that form into demons that can run through the walls of your house by breaking it down and kill you without a single thought. And then there are these fishmen that like (laughs) everything makes them crazy is, is one of the things, yeah. So I I don't understand. It would suck to be a human here. Have we talked about this? Yeah, like how much yeah, it would yeah. suck to be a human, or literally <laughs> anything? Like like that's the worst lot in life. I would you would just I'd be like kill me. Maybe I can become a uh, reforged because frankly mm-hmm. this is not working out. Like anything can walk in my walls at any point. That guy has a stomach, mouth. Like 
what's going on? I, oh gosh, how are you playing humans in this world? How are they not constantly having mental breakdowns as ghosts just going to walk through their houses? Mm-hmm. That's well, their okay. secret. They so, are constantly having mental breakdowns. They are, exactly. So like these are the brave humans, the ones that actually fight on the battlefield, because they actually fight on the battlefield. Most humans just run away or lay down and die. But do you want well, to know the kicker, Spencer? Age of Sigmar is actually the hopeful version of the Games Workshop specific games. Because there's also another game called 40K where the humans aren't hopeful. They're just completely so destroyed and so, you know, like mind wiped, basically, that they just are they they're food right like there's a thing called corpse starch so when they die they feed everybody else and that's just normal and 40k is what's called the grim dark right and age of sigmar is actually the happy hopeful there's hope at the end of the tunnel there's a light at the end of the tunnel game system so we're actually playing the happy one that yeah. is <laughs> heart-wrenching but okay <laughs> i'll take it yeah well poor humans poor humans well here's the thing right in 40k, when you die, right, you just like your soul gets obliterated or it goes to a chaos god, right? Like, basically, you have a short, miserable life and then everything ends. If you can find pride in something, great. Like, there's an army called the Imperial Guard where they defend their cities, right? They defend their worlds, but they tend to have a, a battlefield life expectancy of like 17 minutes. Right. In an age of Sigmar, you can live an entire life. Like you can live years being a soldier on the battlefield and not die, even though you're just a normal human. But one of the cool things about Age of Sigmar is that if enough people believe a thing is true, it basically becomes true. And the way that's played out in the narrative is that there is an entire realm of death. And we might have talked about this before, but it's called Shayesh. And if enough people believe that there is a specific heaven or a specific hell, then that world manifests itself in the realm of death. So you can actually believe your way to a happy ending. Now, granted, Nagash has come and come yeah. in almost all the afterlifes. But until that point, you could actually live a good life, believe in an afterlife, and then you would go and live in that afterlife for as long as you could until Nagash came and ate you. And then turned into an angry ghost. Correct. Um, So there is hope. It's just a very dark, not normal kind of hope. Yeah, I feel like having hope in this case is almost worse, but I guess... (laughs) Having hope being almost worse. It's funny you say that because that is one of the beliefs of Nurgle. Nurgle. That's literally like what they believe (laughs) is that hope is the mind killer, right? Because it's hope that makes you unhappy. Yeah. If you just gave up hope, you'd be fine. But the idea that you can hope for something better, that's what really makes people miserable. And if you don't give up your hope, we'll take it from you. Exactly. Exactly. Well, All right. that brings up the other thing I was going to say, Paul, which is you, you mentioned that the the soldiers in the city of Sigmar, they're the ones who actually fight. Everyone else sort of either gives up or runs away. Mm-hmm. 
But that idea that Spencer had of, oh, it sucks to just be a regular person. Everything Mm -hmm. is miserable. For centuries and the age of chaos, all the humans and all the realms that were not safe and protected by Sigmar have that exact thought of, you know what? This sucks. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start worshiping these chaos gods. So that way they like give me gifts. So I become stronger. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I worship these chaos gods because it's all I know. And I'm actually not like unhappy or, you know, like think that I'm doing anything terrible because this is just the way we live. Right. Yeah. So it, it's a little bit wibbly wobbly on the, the, the good versus evil spectrum sometimes but that's that's one of the things i really enjoy so but you earned a reward in this battle will didn't you yes i completed my quest um so it was the special stormcast quest that unlocked my special battle plans uh which is going to show up and when we talk about the next battle and then I also got the Wildlands as a territory. Wildlands allows me to bring an additional monster into my order of battle. I don't have any one picked out, but it's nice to have. Totes. Totes my goats. I also um, got enough glory points where I was able to recover my lost Fulminators. Mm-hmm. For those who may or may not remember, we made a uh, a gamble on uh, whether or an not... An ill-advised wager? An ill-advised wager, whether or not uh, the Groundhog would see a shadow. <laughs> or, you know, winter would continue. And I, I was wrong. And I had gambled my Fulminators. So I lost them. Mm-hmm. Well, I got my glory and I bought new Fulminators and I decided narratively that they would be the same ones, but in the reforging process, they lost all of their veteran abilities. Those memories of the battles they fought previously are gone. They know that they were warriors. People like will call them out and say hi, but they don't remember these people. And they're just like playing along like yeah no of course Thalen yeah I totally know you man cool hey buddy (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that that's my my narrative for replacing my fulminators that were double veterans with brand new fulminators that's awesome I love I love that mechanic it's so cool right (laughs) yeah it's super fun. Um, and so speaking of that special battle plan that you earned, um, yes. that was the next game that we played. So the special battle that we played is called The Storm That Scours. What had happened narratively is that my my soldiers were being attacked and we were holding out hope for reinforcements. And now the reinforcements have arrived and we get to run out and essentially cut down the people attacking us, which was Paul. I thought it was another lost Dawnbringer settlement. Yes, that's exactly what it was. 
uh, it was another lost Dawnbringer settlement that I was like holding out while you were attacking, and then my reinforcements arrived. This was a smaller point game, and I had both my Fulminators and my Storm Drake Guard mm-hmm. at the ready, <laughs> which are powerful, especially in lower point games. Yes. <laughs> uh, s- since it like the battle plan was that uh, Paul and his Living City forces essentially just needed to run to the edge of the board and escape, mm-hmm. and I needed to stop that from happening. Yeah, so my deployment zone was in the very center of the board, but I couldn't stop Will from deploying at any other point around the outside of the board. <laughs> and I, I think I was deploying first, wasn't I? Yeah. Yeah. So I basically had to set up all my stuff and then hope to break out. So we were paying a a little bit smaller point than normal. So normally it was written for 2000 points. We adjusted the rules slightly to make a little bit more fair. Um, So I needed to get two units off of the battle edge or the the board edge in order to gain, um, I think it was a minor victory. And so I chose both my Luminarchs and then I chose my unit of. Um, your what? Your Luminarchs? The big battle wagons. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Hurricaneum. Those are the Hurricaneums, right? Yeah. Yeah. I chose both my Hurricaneums and then I chose my unit of Greatswords to kind of defend them. And then I chose Petrol as well. And so my idea was to set them up on all on one edge, a strong edge, and see if I could break through to get a couple of them off of the table. And I, I would have done it too if it weren't for the, those darn kids. I mean, <laughs> those, those darn dragons. Yeah. Those pesky um, boys. Mm-hmm. Since, since Paul deployed first and he was going for one side, I was able to just kind of put my forces on that one side. Mm-hmm. I... I put Thalen, a unit of Annihilators, which are just like the heavy, super heavily armored dudes with massive hammers, and the Fulminators sort of lined up to try and prevent him from getting off that way. And then I had the dragons just slightly off to the side to kind of swoop around from behind. Yeah, and so what my my army, the way it works right now, is you take these hurricaneums and they have these blasts of power that they send out. Um, and so that happens in my shooting phase or when Will charges in with one of his units. So um, because Will got the first turn, because uh, in this one, I think the Stormcast automatically get first turn, right? Yeah. So he was able to swoop in and he was able to start attacking my units first, which for me was bad news because the only thing I can do when it's his turn first and he's close enough to be able to charge me um, is I can only shoot with one of my two um, Hurricaneums, which halves my damage. And those are those send out mortal wounds when they do send out damage. So they can really knock down a lot of his combat effectiveness. Like but, permanently, uh, right? Like that's... yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Like that's it, how. It, it, Go ahead. I'll say it ignores my armor mm-hmm. and then just punches straight through to the heart. Yeah. So 
one of his Stormdrake guard, which are the the Draconith with the Stormcast Riders, is nine wounds. I can do nine mortal wounds in one shot, which can literally just knock one of his massive guys out of the game. Um, so it's super fun when I get to do that. <laughs> but when I only get to shoot with one of them, mm-hmm. it means that the chances of me actually being able to knock him out are that much lower. Um, and his guys, when they charge in, are super duper heavy. Uh, the Fulminators and the Draconith can both do some real damage when they charge in because they both get a shooting attack. And then the Fulminators get a charge bonus when they finish their charge move. And then the Draconith get a monster bonus when they finish their charge move. So he's he's got some super heavy hitters going on. Yeah. And that's kind of like... <laughs> We could get into like the, the specifics of everything, but it it boiled down to I got my charges off. Mm-hmm. Um, his reaction shots weren't able to do enough damage, and it ended with just your general being able to escape the melee. That's right. Petrol ran off the board. Yep. So because of that, I walked away with a minor victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Moral that was enough for to me. Get... Yeah, <laughs> you got a survivor. Yeah. Woo! Uh, I mean, yeah. I had a tiger so switch playing in the background. Like, <laughs> you made it. <laughs> well, and that gave me a lot of cool stuff because um, I did a quest to unlock this battle plan, which then gave me a specific reward, which was I can get a new territory for half the cost. Mm-hmm. So I picked up the Borderlands, which allows units that don't participate in a battle to still get their renown, sort of level up, even though they didn't fight. And I already had one from the last um, Dawnbringer Crusade settlement that I stole. <laughs> uh, so I, I have a way to like constantly be giving renown to people, even if I don't bring them to the fight. Yep. And then with the increased glory from winning the game, I upgraded my Realmstone Reserve, which means every game there's um, a table that tells you how much glory you get, saying, oh, if you, know, you played a game at this level, you get this much. If you won, you get this much. If your warlord survives, it's this much. And then I also just get to roll a dice and then just take that glory. So Spencer, just so you understand how like fun this territory is for Will, <laughs> when he has a unit that doesn't participate in the battle, but he gets to give them renown anyway, it means that there's no possibility that that unit will take injuries or have to take an injury roll, period, because they didn't participate mm-hmm. in the battle. But they get the benefits of playing in the battle. So he can build up into veteran units and give experience to his heroes even though they're not doing anything. So they it's can be super so sneaky. Beaky. Yeah, like they're just like, like playing hard. No <laughs> oh man, that's not good. Yeah. That's not good for your guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that that was a that was a good game. And so I didn't really do much with my glory in this game because at this point I'm like, all right, I'm having a hard time um against Will's army. 
and I need to like figure out something. So I've actually started to redesign my list a bit and I'm gonna be adding a bunch of different units to try and make my list to do a little bit differently than the way it performs now. Um, to try and like make it to be a little bit more into my narrative, but also a little bit more fun for me to play. Um, because the thing is, I, I just don't get to play games that often. And I need to play games with a list for a little while to figure out what I like and what I don't like. And then once I figure that out, then I can try and design a list that play that plays to the things that I enjoy or I think I do well. And it leaves out the parts that I'm not as great at, if that makes sense. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm looking forward um, after playing a couple games to being able to bring out a completely different list um, next time I play against Will. So that should be fun. Surprise. Mm-hmm. But I already told him, so I guess, you know, it's not gonna be, I didn't tell him what's going to be in the units right. or what yeah. it's going to be. <laughs> but the other thing is, I thought it would actually be super fun if I played a list that's only legal in Path to Glory. And what I mean by that, Spencer, is that when you play a match play army, there are rules to your army construction, right? It makes sense that they'd be like, you need to have a general and you need to have three of your battle line units, which are basically the the core units that really define the look or the, the um, feel of the army. Mm -hmm. And then they have other restrictions on what you can include, like allies um, and coalition units are a different way that they kind of use allies in Cities of Sigmar. And there are hard limits that you can't break. So because we're playing Path to Glory... I have to build my order of battle to be legal for the army limits. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, yes, yes. <laughs> so the order of battle is basically the roster of the units that I have available. Mm -hmm. I, I remember this. It's like time... a shield, a hammer and a sword, right? Mm -hmm. No, that's Warcry. That's Warcry. Well, yeah. The roster like, of battle is like your whole football team, right? So you have mm -hmm. how many players play on the field? 11? I don't know. I'm mm -hmm. really bad at football. Um, but then you have all the other guys on the on the bench, right? Some of them might come in for special teams. Some of them come might come in only on offense or only on defense, right? Uh -huh. Well, yeah, yeah. that's basically what your order of battle is. But then when you play a game, you can pick units from that order of battle to be in your army. But because your order of battle is legal, you can actually break the rules when picking your army for the battle. Because your order of battle is completely right and it is exactly according to the rules. But you don't have to follow those rules when you pick your army to play in a Path to Glory game. Does that make sense? mostly maybe <laughs> so functionally if we're going to use uh -huh. the football analogy which obviously is i'm i'm really I mean, I, yeah, I here. Understand, like the differences in ability right yeah. like I, I i you know swapping out your players and th so just there's this is just a rule structure that allows that to happen right that's correct that's something okay right so for your yeah. army you need to have a general so that's basically your quarterback right mm -hmm. And you need to have your battle line, which are basically your offensive line, right? Mm -hmm. And then you probably want to have a couple of receivers and a runner, right? Which might be your specialist units. But 
when you play Path to Glory, your order of battle has all those positions. But if I want to run five quarterbacks as my army for each battle, I can do that. If I want to run 15 oh, wide receivers. Okay. I see the difference. I see. All right. I understand. I can do that. Right? So, mm-hmm. so we haven't actually explored that that much in the games that we've played because we've been basically playing match play armies maybe without the battle line restrictions. But there mm-hmm. are other like, ways yeah. that we can play that. Bringing your balance into your teams. Like you have one general. You have your offensive and the more defensive folks. So you're keeping that strategy even inadvertently when making your stories. Mm-hmm. I see. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And it, it makes sense because like battle line is like your, your, your basic troops and match play games. They are a requirement. You need so many of them. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the way we've been building our armies, we've just been doing it naturally. Like, of course you're going to have some basic troops, but now Paul's going to get weird with it. Yes. Um, I, I totally am going to get weird with it because I'm like, you know what? I can actually pick some different unit choices here. I think really reflect my narrative, but also are a completely different army. You would never see in any other gaming space, right? Because it's something that would never happen in match play. And in open play, it's you, the chances of you having this specific combination of models it's just kind of out of the window, right? And then decide that you want to make them all work together. It 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 doesn't really work. So, so I want to try something. Not only was I thinking that, like you know, the army isn't quite working the way I want it to, and I feel like it's not not delivering the the enjoyment that I was hoping that it would. But also, I want to try something specifically unique to Path to Glory, which I haven't done yet. So I'm excited about both those possibilities. So what you're saying is, if you wanted, you could have an entire battalion of just birds? Is that what I'm hearing? Just all Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to come down like, (laughs) I heard the laugh before I even finished. I'm like, he knows what I'm thinking. (laughs) Just birds. Birds all the way down. Well, so you do need to make an order of battle first, but then totes fine. You were able to like completely do that. So um, yeah, it that's exactly the point, right? Like you, you may want to make an army that's all out of war machines. You might have to get some territories to allow you to do that, but like that's something you could totally do. Yeah. Right. One, I want to run seven heroes. I was just going to say no yeah, other the- units. Yep. The Avengers, I've heard it called. Like, only heroes. Mm-hmm. Like, that's totally fine and completely legal in Path to Glory, as long as you have the territories that allow you to have those extra heroes. And that's that's a space we haven't really explored, because we've been basically playing match play without battle line. And I, I, and, but we've been playing with the Path to Glory scenarios. But so, we first, we played an open play uh, in the first game, of the ones that we're talking about. The second one, we played a, a Stormcast specific battle plan. But then the third Four one, we switched it up again, and we're playing a match play scenario, but narratively. Yep. So um, I don't think there's any spoilers um, to say 
that uh, Will and I both just read the Kragnos novel, yeah. which we really enjoyed. So for Spencer, for your benefit, Kragnos is this ancient creature that functionally became a god because he became so powerful. People started worshiping him. So very much like how in Shyesh you can create your own underworld. If people believe that you were a god, you can kind of become your own god. And especially if Oryx believe that you're a god, you totally can become a god. Right? Why the Oryx? Are they like really ardent followers or something? So the Oryx basically can cause things to happen because they believe it should happen. In 40k, their technology works because they believe it works. Not because it actually makes any scientific sense whatsoever. They just kind of believe it, right? And mm-hmm. in I know some cars of... like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a carburetor in this car. Why is it even working? Um, in Age of Sig- yeah. <laughs> in Age of Sigmar, what happens is when you get a bunch of Oryx together, they form what's called a Wa. And a Wa is basically just a bunch of Oryx who are like, we're good at fighting, so we're going to go fight stuff now. And other Oryx and Grots and Ogres and Gargants are drawn to them because they're like, hey, these guys are fighting. And they can feel like that energy building up. It's like a frisson of violence that just entices them. And so when they all get together and believe that somebody is the biggest and the baddest, they kind of just de facto become the biggest and the baddest. And in the background for this Kragnos character, not only did they believe that he was the biggest and the baddest, but they started grabbing realm stone from Gur and feeding him this realm stone. <clears throat> and so realm stone is functionally solidified magic. And so they just started feeding him magic. And then that magic imbued in him even more mighty powers. So <laughs> I love it. So right? dude became a self-fulfilling prophecy right there. Yes. Yep. Uh, so, so we decided because we were we so enjoyed Kragnos that we're going to use that magic stone that the Oryx fed to him still exists in the realms and we're playing in the realm of Gur, and so we decided to play this match play scenario with the added twist that all of the objectives had this magic stone called Amber uh, Amberbone? I'm, yep, I'm, Amberbone called Amberbone buried underneath the objectives because we played in an old mining facility and both of us were actually trying to scour this mining facility and make the Amberbone go away because neither of us like it. But of course, you know, we're guys, so we can't talk to each other. So we don't realize that we're both after the same goal. But what that meant rule-wise was that after we took our battle shock, we had to roll a heroic leadership test for every unit that was within the objective control area. So within six inches of an objective. And unless they were a unit of one, if they failed that leadership test, the heroic leadership test, they would take D3 mortal wounds where they just start fighting with each other. Does that kind of make sense? That's rough. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that's what Amberbone does. It makes you start fighting everybody else yes. around you. 
Even yeah, people that's, that you call Amber Bone. That's just a cool phrase. I, uh-huh. I'm not appreciating it for all it's worth. Just service level, that's so neat. It's like a very cool thing to picture. Like really neat fossils in these mines made of Amber Bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And they are fossils. They are literally fossils. So like bones and and ribs of giant um ancestor gods and all this kind of stuff. It's 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 super fun. So we played the rising power scenario. Um and we played a full two thousand point game because I wanted to get those glory points so I can play my new army soon. Sooner rather than later. And I finally got Back up to 2,000 points. Exactly, because you got those fulminators back. Oh, yeah, because you were working with a smaller army after a groundhog decided to kill them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. pesky groundhog. The <laughs> groundhog. Um, so, uh, so this is the first, I think, 2,000-point battle that we've played against each other. Yeah. Um, which is amusing, because my order of battle is 2,000 points to begin with, and Will's was only 600. Um, but we've we've worked our way up to 2,000 points. So, Will, why don't you uh, give us an introduction as to like how this battle started out and what's going on? Yeah, so we each started off in our corners, and there were five different objectives we were fighting over. One on each of our sides, and then three in the middle lined up. And every turn, one of those three objectives became more important. And I rolled well to essentially go first. I I wanted to go in fast and I wanted to go in hard to, to get up as many points as I could because we got points at the end of each of our turns. So whoever goes first can secure objectives to get those points. Uh, off the bat, first thing I do is I take my Knight and Cantor and I go to cast the Everblaze Comet. Mm-hmm. It's an endless spell. It comes crashing down, does damage to everyone, and then has a permanent debuff on Paul's ability to cast spells. Exactly. I have tried many times for this to go through, <laughs> <laughs> and it finally happened. Yep. Um, so I brought this down like right in the middle of his army, did a bunch of damage, and... It just did not let up that first turn. Um, In the shooting phase, I had my Knight Judicator uh, kill a bunch of his... uh, Were they Flagellants? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, With some well-shot arrows, and then moved my units up to secure pretty much every objective besides his. uh, Taking control of the center of the board. Exactly. Um, and one of the things that I did in this game, which I haven't done before, is I actually took one of those Hurricanes, and I took my big unit of deer, and I took Petrol, and I kept them in reserve. So it was different for us because this most of the objectives in the games that we have played have basically been evenly split or more towards the center of the board together. And because these were more of in a, a crooked line... Um, it took a lot more forethought for us to be like, all right, well, how is this going to play out in the next round and the next round? And how am I setting myself up to win the game? Because the battle lasts for five rounds. And um, 
you could each score in your side of the turn instead of scoring at the end of the turn, end of the game turn, which is what usually happens with all the Path to Glory or the narrative battle plans. Um, so I was excited because for the first time since uh, Will got the Draconith, they did not do a first turn charge. So that made me happy. <laughs> you were yeah. able to survive it, is what you're saying? No, no, no. You survived the first turn? I, I did survive the first turn, number one. But number two, I did something that made Will go, wait, I have to think about what I'm doing. <laughs> I can't just throw dragons at the I problem. can't just throw dragons <laughs> at the ball. I said. Exactly. Yeah, I, knowing that he could show up anywhere, I just mm-hmm. had my dragons waiting. Yep. Waiting in the wings. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Um. And I guess so, <laughs> quote uh, Will. <laughs> yeah. So um, the other thing is that because I was able to control when my units came on the board and they didn't get killed before they could do anything, I was actually able to start kind of setting up two different support bases. So I had one Hurricaneum on my side of the board and one Hurricaneum on the other side of the board. And then. Um, I was able to actually to do some tactics, which was super fun and, and, and interesting because um, I had enough mortal wound output to actually be able to lay some serious damage mm-hmm. on um, Will's units and to take out some of his counterattacking units. And then that was backed up by the fact that Will had some not great rolls on his charges. Will? Uh, yeah. I So few of my charges went through like <laughs> a, a ridiculous amount. I, I had gotten so used to the dice being on my side. <laughs> uh, so since I couldn't close the gap for combat, mm-hmm. um, sometimes even getting a snake eyes, yep. I like, I was stuck in the middle on like literally stuck in these pincers, mm-hmm. uh, just getting models whittled away. Um, but I was still controlling the central objectives so I was still racking up more points, but I I'm, I started crunching the numbers like, okay, I'm ahead, mm-hmm. but if this goes all five rounds, if I don't get enough points on turn three, he's going to win. Like, yeah. like I'm just not going to have enough models yet left. Yeah. So it's one of the things where my armies aren't necessarily, isn't great going straight on into combat because I put a lot of points into shooting and magic. But because most of my shooting and magic has been negated or taken out right away, and this game, I was actually able to use some of that pretty well. Um, but I had to use my shooting and magic to take down his units instead of my combat. So I need to get into combat in order to take those objectives back. And so I couldn't just charge in turn one or turn two because I needed to whittle down the units so that I could survive charging in that I could actually have something left to claim the objective with. Um, so I got some rice rolls off of my hurricane on my side of the board and was able to knock out um, his unit of fulminators before they even made it into combat, which was like a huge celebration for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I dropped in behind um, your, your archer guy that I'm blanking on the name of. Night Judicator. The Night Judicator. And uh Look at you and- blinked on that name. That's a that's a fantastic yeah. name. 
because there's uh, like there's judicators, there's knight of zeros, there's knight, there's a like everything the, is knight something. The judicator, there's the knight judicator. Correct. Yeah, um, and then there's yeah the battle. Yeah, there's a lot of names. Let's just put it that mm-hmm. way. Um, and I I don't own the Stormcast Battle Tome, so it's hard for me to keep them all straight. Uh, but. Um, so I was able to get in behind him and to lay some damage out and take off the Judicator right away, which Will missed a rule that meant that it wouldn't have worked out that way. Um, but Well, it it still would have worked out. It just would have been slightly different. Yeah. Um, but the Judicator was a real big threat for me mm-hmm. because it has a really long range. It can really dish out some super big damage. And being able to take that out turn one meant that he wasn't able to, to project the power from the back to the front. And then all of a sudden he had a weak flank and that was super fun. (laughs) I was like, sweet. (laughs) I did a thing and the thing worked. And then I had two different sides of the battlefield that I could work through to be able to, to drive to the middle and hopefully get some of those objectives from will. Yeah. And wow. once he showed up in the back, my dragons had to steer away from that that main force on the front, and I had to pull them around to the side to try and like protect myself. Mm-hmm. And because he had to protect himself from the back, and I was able to wipe out the fulminators and take out um, one of his units of annihilators as well, that meant that I could actually start pushing forward with my um, shadow stalk or my not my shadow stalkers my. I'm blanking on all my names. Um, I could move forward with my archers and my flagellants. And um, super cool thing that I got to do. So I have a special character. His name is Galen Van Dents, and he's a name character. <laughs> and um, his Good. cool thing is that he's a witch hunter. But his super cool thing is, is that he's a witch hunter, and he's also a spell hunter. So, Suspenser, if somebody has this big bad spell, how do you get rid of it? Like they can cast that spell. Like no, I, it's I on mentioned, the table. I have my my big Everblaze comet that's just mm-hmm. like permanently messing up magic and did all this damage. It's just mm-hmm. sitting there on the board, just pulsating power, mm-hmm. just messing with him. So how would you think that you get rid of that? Get rid of a giant pulsating spell. spell. Pour water on it. So you would think that you would dispel it, right? Or like cast magic to make it go away. Yeah, probably. Uh, well, I feel like that's not the right answer, though. But yeah, so that that's sounds the, like an that's, anti-spell. That's the that's normal, the normal answer. answer. Yeah, but in Age of Sigmar, you know what you do? You shoot it with a bullet, or you hit it with a knife. <laughs> this specific <laughs> character, he can shoot spells and kill them. <laughs> so he shot the spell and he killed it. It was super that, awesome. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> is great. There's only two characters in the game that could do it. Him and his daughter. But like, I was like, this is awesome. I'm shooting this spell and I killed it. I I don't know why this reminds me of that scene from uh, Indiana Jones where he has his whip and he's standing over the guy and he just shrugs and just shoots him instead. Like, that's that's what this feels like. (laughs) So do you know the real story behind that scene? Yeah, he was sick that day. He didn't want to do the trick. We just didn't have the energy. So then he just pulled out the prop gun and shot him. And the guy fell over because he was so shocked that he did the scene wrong. And that was the cut they used. That was good. Yeah, I think that's iconic. It's, it's memeable. Yeah. Anyway, so I totally did that. 
I just pulled out my gun and I shot the spell. The spell went, crap, I guess I die now. That was it. It was great. Um, that's, that's really weird. If spells are mortal. Yeah. And uh, so then the other cool thing was I was able to actually take down one of his Draconith riders in the back. Mm-hmm. So um, we got to turn three and it was looking pretty dicey. Like I was able to bring up my archers and to take out his unit of um, Vindictors on the right. And then I was able to take out the unit of not Vindictors, but they look like Vindictors on the left. Yeah, Vanquishers. Vanquishers, yep. And then I was able to take out his knight in Cantor in the middle. And I was just like, man, I got this in the bag. But one of those stupid Griffhounds from his knight Judicator <laughs> would not die. I kept shooting that stupid bird dog. They have, they have, they're stocky little guys. You, you yeah. want to, they're also beefy. In Age of Sigmar, they're not. Yeah, um, they have no they save. Don't, they don't have a save. If he hits me, I just take the damage. Yeah. There's nothing I can do to prevent it from happening. Yeah, and there's only two mm-hmm. wounds. And I mm-hmm. shot him with like 15 things. He just kept on missing. He just would not die. And the reason why that was important is because there's a, a way, a mechanic in the game, where Will can charge in with that one little Griffhound. And if he does that, then I can't do my big stand and shoot or unleash hell on his dragons. Yep. Because that Dragon. little Griffhound is already too close, and therefore it's too close for me to be able to do it. Right? Those pesky Griffhounds. Everything's so pesky against you guys. Yeah. They, they are, because it's a stupid, like, it's worse. Than my one moon models with a four plus words a four plus armor save because it should take two hits to kill him, but I couldn't kill this two wound model with no save, and and then I was like I was so annoyed I'm like, all right I'm gonna charge that stupid griffhound, and then I saw Will pick up the dice and I was like wait no I just moved it and I didn't roll it and I saw you pick up the dice and I know you're gonna unleash hell on him, but <laughs> no I'm not gonna charge him. Yeah, it's important. Um, what he's referring to is right behind the bird dog was my last remaining dragon. So if he charged in, I was going to spend a point to breathe fire and kill the person charging, which I'm realizing now in retrospect would have been a terrible idea for me to have done because I needed that point for later. Oh, man. Oh, that would have been... Oh, Oh, man. All right. Because what happened if I won stupid point? Yeah. So it's it's my turn now. Third battle round. I am down bad. I have three models left. A Griffhound that can't do anything and is going to die. I have an Annihilator who is strong but is super slow. Exactly where I don't want him to be. Yeah, so way out of usefulness. And then I have my one dragon. The way objectives work in this game is like certain models are worth more than others. And dragons are worth five normal models. And I was just thinking like, oh, I can maneuver my dragon here. I could charge in. I can, if I do enough damage, I can get enough points so that way, even when he does like steamroll me, it can, it will come out as a tie, even though like I'm dead. Like he'll just have two turns to get the points to tie the game. And I'm thinking, 
oh, you know what? There's actually a command ability I could use called rally. And since I have a point left, I mine as well. What else am I going to do? So what rally does is you roll a d6. And if you, for, you roll a d6 for every model that is missing from your unit. Mm-hmm. And if you roll a six, that model comes back. So I'm like, yeah, why not? What are the odds? One and six? That's and the I odds. <laughs> and that's what I rolled, a six. Oh. So I just brought a full strength dragon back onto the board. Nine um, wounds. I had taken nine wounds of dragon <laughs> off of the board and just magically reappeared. Um, and just like the numbers change where it's like, oh, if I move my dragons in, they don't even need to kill anything. They're going to take all these objectives. I'm going to get these points and that's the game. So we, we called it. (laughs) Yep. And because I can't kill his Griff Hound because it's not my turn anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. And if I would have charged in and I would have survived because that character has a five plus ward save. Then I would have been within three inches, and you couldn't have rallied. Best laid plans. Also, the the dragon would have the dragon was still outside of the three inches. Oh, because otherwise, because otherwise, I would have piled in with when petrol was fighting the griffhound. That's fair. All right, fine. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I was upset that he was three inches away because I was going to kill your general. <laughs> You were going to try. You tried to eat me. You tried to eat Petrol <laughs> in one bite. Can you believe this, Spencer? So his dragons have an ability where if they roll above the number of wounds, they just slay a character outright. Just, and just because Petrol has five <laughs> wounds, if he rolled, would have rolled a six, he would have just swallowed my hero, my general, <laughs> right off the table. So and all he this, tried, this and he world failed. building, all of this... It, fantastic yeah. story you know barely making it just surviving the odds gut-wrenching opener eaten uh, i yeah. you know life is crazy yeah the yeah. world is chaos it sucks to be a human <laughs> <laughs> so that was a really fun game and it was super close was. and we were both like not even talking narrative just like staring at the board for like three or four minutes before our turns being like what do i do now like right. when you see people playing chess. Yeah. So <laughs> Well, and we, it was a matched play game, mm-hmm. but we did not play it matched play. Yeah. Um, there's like other things that happen in match play games that we are just like, nah. Because <laughs> yeah. um, there's something called like a grand strategy, which is like when you build your army, you have to say this is like the goal they're going for. That's all match play. And then each turn, you, you're you supposed to come up with what's called a battle tactic, which is like a secondary objective. Mm-hmm. And it's so much like other stuff to keep track of in the game that mm-hmm. we ignored it. Well, but you know, also the other thing is we're playing with the Path to Glory narrative battle pack. Yep. And those other rules are in the match play battle pack. Yeah. So we would have essentially been playing two battle packs together. And the match play battle pack says your army has to be tournament legal. So we would have been playing some rules, but not the other rules. And it would have been a whole thing. Yes. Um, So, but Hmm. it's the one I was thinking about this as I was typing up the notes of like, man, like so many people died. Mm -hmm. And it's because it was like an objective match play 
like battle plan mm-hmm. so like it really was like a a more competitive more thought out more well like thought out in the sense of like strategy and what mm-hmm. we were doing and like you really needed to play harder and so many more models got got like well <laughs> and the other thing was because we were playing match play and there were more objectives I could be within contesting range without having to engage in combat because I had more units than you did. And so one of the things that I would do is I would run up to like just outside three inches and then I would shoot him because I didn't want to fight him. Like I would die if I, <laughs> if I had him in combat. So I'm just going to run up right outside of six inches and shoot the crap out of you. It was, it, it was fun. It was a lot of enjoyable uh, moments. There's- Honor and surviving, you know? Exactly. It doesn't have to be like, I will fight this man with the sword up close. Yeah. I will survive. This is a dragon. Yeah, I was just yeah. camping out the objectives and just like poning everybody that respawned. It was great. It was, it was a wonderful game. Um, so that was our, our third game. And then we get to go on to the uh, the fourth game. So I don't know if you remember in the last podcast, Spencer, but we had an ambush where Will's Draconith were ambushed by Nurgle forces. Uh, yeah, I, my notes say nothing about that, but I still remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided it would only be fair since Will's army was ambushed that my additions to my army would also have to be ambushed as well. Could they survive? That's the real question. Exactly. I mean, like the Draconith, who've been wrecking face, were just like completely slapped down. So I was, I was not super excited to play this. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> narratively, this totally makes sense, and we should definitely um, play this out. So uh, Will actually took charge of the Nurgle uh, for you, and I played Sorry. my Living City. So I played my Sisters of the Thorn. And then I played a um, Hurricaneum and Petrol, I believe. I think that was all of my army. And then, Will, uh, you played the Nurgle, which was two units of Blight King, and then Gutrot Spume, and then a Rotbringer Sorcerer, right? Correct. Yep. So uh, why don't you talk about how this battle went, Will? Uh, This battle went well. For Paul, yeah, um, uh, like he like he had mentioned with his living city, he had to play with a list a few times to get like pick up what's going on. I think this is my first time ever playing as Nurgle and learning about what Nurgle. And you got them all killed, is what I'm hearing. Not, not my little hawk, hawk, sword <laughs> superstar. Not my Lord of Maggots, Clodagarius. Listen, no! you're fine. <laughs> um, no, no, no. You're, 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 you're good. Uh, Don't believe a word he says, Spencer. Um. Well, how could I not be convinced by that delivery? <laughs> you, yeah. No. You're. Yeah. You're good. Don't. Don't worry about it. Um. Since it was an ambush, and Paul really just needed to stay away. I just did not deploy my units in the way 
I probably would have. Otherwise, I'm too used to Stormcast and being able to move up and being able to move quickly. And Nurgle is it's that slow, methodical death, Mm -hmm. which is great unless you're you're going up against Living City who can shoot and then move after shooting. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I got like some hits in on your Huracanum for a little bit and then it was just you stayed out of range and filled me with arrows <laughs> as yep. I just slowly marched up. Exactly. So um, the, the thing was, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm totally just going to like end up getting destroyed because I just cannot fight these guys in melee. They're just yep. not strong enough. But my Hurricaneum, when it's not hurt, can move 10 inches a turn. And my Sisters of the Thorn um, are also pretty gosh darn quick. So then that means that my slowest unit is Petrol, who still moves six inches. And you can have your character run as well if you want to. By paying a command point, you can make him move another six inches. And so I was basically just able to be like, I'm going to run away now. (laughs) I see you've got some stuff here, and it does not look good. It was the smell you're like, you know, <laughs> not going to deal with those rotten boots. Mm-hmm. You are not wrong. And so he was on the left side of the board, and I ran all the way over to the right side of the board, and he couldn't go all the way across the table in time. So, yep. yeah. So um, I, it was it was a surprising game because I did not expect to win. And I, I do not think after... Uh, watching them destroy the Draconith that will expect it to lose. Correct. Um, but because I was able to just like sit back and, and do my hurricane mortal wound explosion um, multiple times, mm-hmm. um, I was actually able to do some decent damage. So you're going to have to do some work in this aftermath phase, Spencer. There yeah. are, are some roles to be made. Yeah. Well, and like to the point of like, knowing your army and understanding your army, like you said, like, Oh, I don't think I can take these guys in a straight up fight. Mm-hmm. So then you didn't. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, well, I'm not going like, to fight them. Oh, right. I just, I, I just don't have away. to. Yeah. <laughs> They're ambushing me. I'm going to run away from no. the ambush. Right. There is no longer no honor. It's fighting smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, but like the thing is, like, if you flip that on its head, it means that when Will got ambushed, he was like, screw that. I'm just going to wreck you all. I, I'm going to charge in. not an ambush. And then just got stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, crap. What's going on? <laughs> oh, no. Um, uh, so we, we have a bit of an aftermath for you to go over. Um, so, Will, I think you said you had written down. Yeah. You had, right? So. Um, we're going to go through the entire aftermath phase. The aftermath phase. Starting with one. Earn glory points. Um, we played a 600 point game. So you will get five glory. All right. You did not win a major victory. You did not win a minor victory. Your warlord did take part in the battle. But was Spotted slain. Guardians? But was slain, so you <gasps> don't get <laughs> what? So you don't get that glory. Well, okay, okay. 
We're fine. We're yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. Maybe. We'll see you're, how you roll. You're fine. So now we get to an injury roll um, <laughs> for your warlord. You okay. will roll 2d6. Yeah, all right. Purple is going to be the first one. Green's going to be the second one. It doesn't matter. You just add them together. Never mind then. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's going to be green. Five, or maybe yellow. Five? Yeah. It's a critical injury. Oof. No! At the start of your next battle, if this unit is included in your army, it begins the battle with D3 wounds allocated to it that cannot be negated or healed. Ever? Just for the next battle. Okay. You could also choose to leave your warlord at home so they can recuperate, and then it goes away. Conagarius isn't one to shy from a fight. Yeah, Mostly exactly. because home is not great. <laughs> um, that I mean, is not necessarily me. That's what's going to happen. But he sure does like to say it. <laughs> I support him in saying it. I agree. Uh, next, we go to casualty rolls. Uh, all the casualties are in the same unit, so that will make bookkeeping easier. Um, so one unit of Blight King lost four models. So you're going to roll four dice and then tell me how many ones you get. D6, hopefully, not D20s or anything. Yeah, yeah. Like that. <laughs> no cheating. D4. All right. All right. So we got one, one, and then. Three twos. Okay. So, on a one, you will suffer a casualty. Um, Meaning that next time you fight, this unit will be down one model. And that's a plan. Choose to spend a glory to re-roll that die. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Okay. I don't want to lose him. All right, I got a six. Cool. All right. Then you do not suffer any casualties. All right, subtracting the glory point. Perfect. Yeah, it's it's almost... It's usually better to do it if it's just one person to spend the glory Mm -hmm. to do it then, because otherwise you need to recuperate, which costs glory, um, like more than one, and Mm -hmm. how well you recuperate... uh, matters based on whether or not that unit fought in the previous battle. Yep. And also um casualties are permanent. Yep. So they that unit would have been down to four permanently until you healed them or they lost another one. So Yep. Alright, well yeah, well he's back, but everyone's gonna make fun of him like for the next three games. <laughs> yes. I'll have to remember which one that was. <laughs> the Blight Kings. Right. All right. Next is step three. Gain renown. <laughs> so every unit that survived will get one renown. So one unit of Blight... Actually, everyone but your Rotbringer Sorcerer. So both units of Blight Kings. Mm-hmm. And then not Gut Rot's Bume because he's a unique character and does not gain renown. Mm-hmm. So just your two units of Blight Kings gain some renown. Yep. Wait, gain how much? Just one? Just one for now. But okay. um, the unit that 
the first unit, the one that didn't take any casualties, mm-hmm. was your favorite warriors. So you get to roll a d6, and they get that much renown. All right. Two. Two. Do you happen to know how much they have total? Let me go back and look. I have plus one, plus two, plus two. So it looks like they had plus two on theirs. Cool. Right. So this unit of Blight Kings are going to be veteran warriors. They're going to gain a veteran ability. Yeah. Nice. Um, now yeah. vets. We might have to send her the Nurgle veteran abilities. Oh, so she yes. can pick. I can do that. I yep, actually can each... go grab it right now. Give me one second. Oh, perfect. I'll say, while, while he does that, I will explain. There are like default veteran abilities that every army can take. Um, they each do cool things such as like once per battle, when you're picked as the target of an attack, subtract one from wound rolls for those attacks. But each army also has their own specific veteran abilities you know, if they have a battle tome or a white dwarf update. So Paul's going to make sure that you have access to your specific ones before we make you choose. So would you like to make your choice based on me reading everything from top to bottom or from me reading the lore or from me reading the rules? Rules. I'll, okay. I, Hmm. Pick three at random, read those out loud, and I'll say that'll do for Clodagarius and Pals. All right. Uh, roll three dice. D6. All right. We have a two. Okay, a lot of twos today. A four uh, and another two. All right. Reroll one of the twos. So I'll reroll one of the twos. Ooh, two, three, and four. All right. So unnatural regeneration. Mm-hmm. Wounds inflicted upon the wobbling flesh of these warriors quickly fill with gunk and seal over. One might as well try to carve a rune in a bowl of rancid gruel as cause any lasting damage to them. This unit can use this veteran ability once per battle at the end of any phase in which any models in this unit were slain. When it does so, roll a dice for each model in this unit that was slain in that phase. For each 4+, plus, you can return one slain model to this unit. Um... Boon of Virulence. It's number three. Nurgle has bestowed his fetid blessings thricefold upon the weapons carried by these favored warriors, such that they positively hum with lethal maladies. Mm. This unit can use this veteran ability once per battle at the start of the combat phase. When it does so, until the end of that phase, each attack made with a melee weapon by this unit inflicts one disease point on the target hit unit on an unmodified hit roll of five or six. And number four, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. No, I just think that's cool. All right, continue. Revolting resilience. These battle-scarred warriors are covered in cushioning cankers, ablative rolls of flab, and crusts of keratinized skin, oh, all nestling a mildew-black soul long since resigned to the ills of the realms. This unit can use this veteran ability once per battle before you make a disgustingly resilient ward roll for this unit. When it does so, add one to disgusting resilient ward rolls for this unit until the end of that phase. All right. Not that one. Not um, that one. Not that one. <laughs> the one you went, ah, uh, yeah. 
right. All right. So now I'm between. I'm, I'm definitely in between. The Oatmeal Boys, the first one. Unnatural Regeneration. Uh, oh, yeah. that they would, they would be the Oatmeal Boys. But the disease point on the weapons? Yeah. That sounds pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Um, what is better to kill you with, my dear? Um, I don't. Oh God, they're both so good. Um, all right. One last thing. Looking through that list, are there any really cool ones that you think I might be missing out on? Just, just like a quick cursory glance. Any really gross words that stick out? The other two, we would have to explain to you how they work. Nope, don't need that. Uh, uh, let's okay. do... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right, I think we're going to add the disease point. I think that one seems right. pretty memorable for you guys to play with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adding that modifier to their attacks. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think that's... I'll take number three. Number three. Number Wind three. Virulence. Virulence. Yeah, no, that, that looks really good. Um, Yeah. All right. All right. Do, 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 do. Okay. Moving on. Our veteran abilities. Step four is complete quests. Do you happen to remember what your quest was? Uh, yeah. Turn people into parasites to serve me. Yes. Paul, do you can you see yep. what the thing for that was? There are specific requirements to complete a quest, and we are double-checking real quick. Those Nurgalites who prove their skill at cultivating the garden are able to summon the Grandfather's finest demonic warriors. Or was it the Gardener of Nurgle? It is the goal of every Magakin warlord to expand the borders of Nurgle's garden far into the mortal realms. Or was it spread corruption? I think it was spread corruption, actually. As a Magakin, army fights its way across the realms. The lands themselves sicken and become infected with all manner of repugnant life. Yeah, that sounds right to me. There's a lot of gross words in there. How could that be wrong? Uh, At the end of each Path to Glory battle, add one quest point to the progress section of your quest log if you won a major victory. Once you have gained three quest points, you complete this quest. Um, So no, you would not add a quest point. You did not gain a major victory. Freak, let, letting me down. The Blight Kings took down a dragon last time. Yeah. And here they are failing to turn people into parasites. Yeah. Yep. Terrible. You may They're have, not spreading corruption as they should. You may have taken down a dragon, but you can't take down a deer. Too magnificent. Too uncorruptible. Exactly. Even for the Blitz King the sorry, Blight Kings. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Next is manage your stronghold. Uh, Essentially, you can upgrade your stronghold, but it costs like 30 points to get to the next level. Mm -mm. So we're going to (laughs) skip over that to manage your territories. Okay. Um, So you can roll your 2d6. This time, the numbers, like which die rolls, which number does matter. Okay. We have a solid 45. 45 is a wellspring. Mm. Uh, when making a recuperating uh, recuperating roll, the one to heal people, uh, for the unit you pick, it is treated as not having, having taken part in the battle. So I had mentioned that 
you know, whether or not someone fights makes it mm-hmm. so they can recuperate. This makes it so every, like this unit gets all of the benefits, which is neato. Yeah. Okay. Clodagarius could benefit from that. They cost 10 glory to add that to your territory. You don't I think I've got 13, right? Yes. But you don't have to take it. Do I have, do I only have 13? Do you, are you guys also tracking? Or is it just me tracking? Um, I no think comment. it's just you tracking. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so the that. thirteen is just from that's including last game too, right? Yeah, I had nine. I had five. Mm-hmm. I minus one. Yep. Thirteen. So the other thing that you should note, Spencer, is that if you buy this territory, then you can't add any units to your order of battle later on. Yeah. Well, you might be so... able to add some, but you're you're going to be more limited in your choices. Yeah, I'll think I'll wait and continue. I'll, I think I'll just continue to grow army size rather than yeah. than do that this time. All right. Hey, speaking of, manage your order of battle. Uh, now this one really is all you, Paul, since you have the models. Yep. It's not game-breaking, but basically, do you want to have a different unit? Or do you want to have a different hero? Or do you want to Other have... Other than Claudagarius? So you it would add another an additional. One. Yep. Oh, okay. Do I want to add one hero? Do I want to add like a bunch of little runts? Do you want to add another flies? unit of Blight Kings? Or do you mm. want to add Blight Kings on flies? Okay. I so like I can either have lots of little ones, a couple, or like one main one, right? Yeah, and the big one will move much faster. So add I, yeah. some speed. Nah, I don't want to have one that's like way faster than the rest. I don't want to leave them behind. I'll take the fly guys because yeah. they sound fun and memorable. So the fly guys will have a movement of eight as opposed to yeah. the movement of four. So they, they won't move super fast, but like they'll give mm-hmm. you a little bit more mobility. Yeah, I like I like the fly I would like the fly guys. So we had two of the fly guys. So I think that's six glory. Alright, minus six. Yep. All right, noted. All right. So I think we have finished the aftermath then. Is that correct, Will? Yep. That is the completion of the aftermath sequence. Having come from like such such a victory, such a ripping victory over the dragons, to be just demolished by some deer tree things, I am shocked and disappointed in my blight kings and friends think of it think of it this way it's rock paper scissors dragon Mm. beats deer deer beats maggot maggot beats dragon (laughs) keep in mind the time scale on these three is not equal (laughs) (laughs) all right um, I, but you know, I I do have to agree, Spencer. It it would seem I thought that you were gonna like roll over my army, but apparently, it just it was not to be. So looks like their hope got in the way this time. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. <laughs> next time, next time I'll take it. Next time, get it. Never, never overestimate my skill. <laughs> my so, victories come from me playing an army that is ranked really high. Uh, so it's the next episode. Uh, I'm going to look forward to hopefully playing a completely different army, but still living city. Meanwhile, 
Meanwhile, next episode, I will be playing a completely different army. Wait, what? I yeah. So, I mean, at this point, by the time the episode releases, it won't be new. But they just released a new battle tome for the Ideneth Deepkin. The oh, the, the oh, the elf guys on the eels. The fish yeah. elves. That's why I, I chose the name. So uh-huh. I already have everything assembled. I mean, I've had them assembled since they came out. I just picked up the new hero, and I am going to be working on the lore for using them in the next battle. Whoa, so nice. I am excited Jeez, yeah. to introduce you all to characters that aren't invented yet, but we'll <laughs> but find will out be. more next time. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and uh, this is in the past for you, but we will be heading to Adepticon um, in two weeks. Yeah. So we're both super duper excited. So um, we hope we met a bunch of you and we yeah. hope we had wonderful time. I appreciated our time together, y'all. Exactly. <laughs> um, so a lot's going to happen between now and our next episode. So I lots to talk about. Yeah, lots to talk about. That's gonna be super fun. And I'm super pumped. And Spencer's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. So this is gonna be interesting <laughs> for me too. You'll hear all kinds of stories. Many of them may involve alcohol. I I'm I <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. They have in the past. Let's put it that way. So all right. Well, you can find us online. I am at PJ Shard. And where can they find you, Will? You can find me on Twitter at Severalon. You can also find all of us on the Mortal Realms Discord mm-hmm. at themortalrealms.com slash Discord. Exactly. All right. Is that themortalrealms.com slash Discord? Wait, let me double check. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks for listening to our ramblings on the road. We hope to see you along the path. And they'll never find Spencer. <laughs> never find me. I'm hidden in the I'm hidden in the bushes. <laughs>